Welcome to the Underground Podcast, a weekly teaching from the 20 service at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. You know, we started doing Stay tuned for ways to connect with our ministry following the message. A couple weeks ago, I guess it's been about four or five weeks, and um, you know, we've covered some pretty serious topics. If you guys have been tracking along with us, and we've covered anxiety, we've covered isolation, we've covered depression, we've covered suicide multiple times. Uh, we talked about eating disorders last week, and uh, we'll wrap up tonight with substances, but You know, um, I feel like I can't tell you enough how real this stuff is. Uh, It's hard when when you talk about topics like this that maybe aren't hitting home with you in the moment. And, um, and it, it's easy to just kind of let it come in one ear and out the other or just to kind of be something, oh, that's for another time. And we've been trying to say over and over, if it's not for you, Make notes, mental notes, whatever you need to do so that that information can be hung on because you never know the opportunity that God might place you. And you never know who might be sitting next to you or working next to you or at home even within your own family. And um, unfortunately, uh, I have to tell you a story of how real this has become. So a few years ago, we went on a, a grad cruise. We took our high school grads and people from underground on a cruise. Any of you guys were here for that? Raise your hand. Yeah. Remember that? So we had a good time. Uh, we never did it again. If you're like, what happened? I've been waiting. It didn't happen again. I'm sorry. But we did it once. No one died. We made it out alive. But uh, we did it once. And while we were there, we met a bunch of new students that were coming out of high school and transitioning into our ministry. And it was really an, a fun time. And um, we met a, a particular girl named Amber. Uh, Sarah and I, all of us met her, but Sarah and I really liked her. She, uh, she played basketball. She had like just that personality that I could connect with. So I was like, all right, you're cool. You know, there's not a lot of cool people. Sorry, but, but she was just one of those cool ones. And she liked basketball. And I was like, that's so cool. So we went and dominated some guys during the, the trip. Anyways, that's another story, but I like to mention that. Um, anyways, all that to be said, we got back from the trip. She came around once or twice and then we you know, didn't see her again. It's been a few years. Sarah and I'd run into her at Starbucks every once in a while. She was working right around the corner. And so I said hi to her. I was giving her a hard time about coming back and come hang out with us, come join us. And, um, and she never did. And unfortunately, on Friday, she took her life. She committed suicide. And um, I'll do the funeral tomorrow morning. And now I was thinking about this, and I've got to be honest with you. As a pastor and just as a person, Obviously, anytime this happens, it's frustrating, but this one was really frustrating because this one, I had to look at it and go, man, she was literally right around the corner most days. And, and I, in, in your mind, you know, as an individual, I'm being honest with you, I, I go, man, I missed a moment. She was, she was right there. We could have walked to where she was pretty much every day of the week. And yeah, of course, we saw her a few times and we did that casual, hey, you should come hang out with us. But we weren't as intentional as maybe we could have been. And so as a person, as, a, as an individual, even as a pastor, you struggle with that a little bit. And of course, we know that you can only do so many things and you cannot hang those things over you. But man, I got to tell you, it hurt. And it reminds me of how real this is. And guys, listen, you never know. You never know who's sitting next to you. You never know what they're going through, and you never know the impact that you could have on someone's life. And I don't ever want to hang that over your head. That's always an encouragement. Um, you know, we have, a, we have a cool thing here. 
it's not normal. We've had ebbs and flows and ups and downs. We've been doing this a long time. We've seen a lot of change, and we're in a season of transition for sure. But, man, guys, this is a special thing that, that this church has given to us to have, the place to gather and to worship and to praise the Lord, and for us to open the word and talk about it in a way that, that identifies with you and I as individuals right here in this stage of life. These are all things that, if we're not careful, we take for granted. And I was just thinking, and I'm not putting something else put on me. I was just thinking, man, if I had just gone to Starbucks more, that's probably not a good thing personally, but if I had just been around more and continued to pursue her and continued to say, man, we got a place for you. I want you to come. I want you to come. Maybe she might have shown up during our series. Maybe she might have heard some of these messages talking about depression and, and who knows what was going on with her. And maybe, just maybe, maybe we could have been a part of helping her turn away from that tragic decision. Now, again, please hear me. I'm not hanging this over anyone's head. But you also can't walk through a moment like that and not look back and say, Lord, what would you have me learn from this? And what would you have me do? So I just want to encourage you, as you leave tonight and as we go and do the different things, ask the Lord to show you who are some people, who's a person that maybe you could be ministering to. Maybe it's someone you need to invite here and to help you in that ministering process, but maybe it's just someone you need to minister to away from this place. But I hope and pray that we're not just sitting here soaking up a bunch of information and walking out and doing nothing with it. I really hope that's not the case. I want us to be about something more. And I'll tell you what, if we do that, we'll see a change in our lives, in our ministry, in, in the areas that we're impacted, in our workplaces, in our families. We'll see a change. And so I want to give you that encouragement as we start tonight. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into our topic. Father, I am so thankful that I get this great privilege to be up here every week and to share really your word. Lord, these aren't things that I want to say, but these are things I feel you've led us to talk about. And so, God, I just I thank you that you've given me this platform. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me and keep me in line and make sure that I live up to everything that you've asked of that and that opportunity. Father, on behalf of all the people here, we just say thank you that you would give us a place like this that we could come to. And we don't have to hide who we are. We can be open. We can be honest. We can talk about things that are, are a little different, but, Lord, that we know are so real. And we're reminded of that today. And God, I pray tonight, like we do every week, that you would, we don't have to invite you here. You're already here because you're inside of us. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. But, Lord, I pray that you'd move in a way that maybe is just a little different tonight. As we talk about a topic that addresses everyone in some shape or form, Lord, give us some clarity tonight. Let's walk out of here with an understanding of looking at these topics through your eyes, the way that you see them. Lord, helping us to navigate these decisions that we'll make and to do them in a way that bring you glory. Because at the end of the day, Lord, that's what we want to be about and that's what's going to make the difference. And so, Father, we thank you again for this time and this place you've given us. This is a great gift. We love you. Use this time in a mighty way as our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight what I want to do is I want to talk about, I want to talk about substances in general. I'm going to spend most of the time tonight talking about alcohol. Uh, alcohol is probably the biggest thing in our age group these days that people uh, are pursuing and many struggle with. So I want to give you some understanding on that. And then at the end of the night, um, time allowing, I'll talk a little bit about marijuana and we'll 
navigate that a little bit together. But today what I want to do is I just want to help us. I want to help us get a better understanding, okay? So let me give you some scientific things up front like we've done every week so we can have kind of a deeper understanding of these topics and then we'll dig in particular to this one that is most prevalent. Now let's talk about substance use disorder. That's the official title of substance abuse is substance use disorder. What that is, it's the using of many things. It could be alcohol, could be Opioids, it could be caffeine, it could be marijuana, it could be fill in the blank. There are so many different substances that fall in this category. Now, the key here is it's when you use this substance beyond its original intent for some of these, and if you are dependent upon these substances. This is where it becomes substance use disorder. Now, This is something we all know is very relevant. We don't call it that very often. We just say, oh, he's a drinker, or oh, he's a smoker, or he's a pill popper, or fill in the blank of all the different things you might use. But the reality is, this is something that's very important. Now, when you get to a place where these substances, whatever it is for you, is something that you can't live without, I want to encourage you, even if it is for a short season, that you would get help. I just want to say that up front. We have said get help every single week. Last week, I think the best was said when we actually modeled for you a story where getting help was so key. Listen, you need to understand, this life is not supposed to be navigated alone. You have so many people around you and resources around you to help you to navigate this. And so I don't want you to ever think, oh, if I get help, I am weak. That's not true. You are weak if you don't get help. Strength comes in understanding your situation and your surroundings and pursuing that which can help you move through even the darkest of days. So we got to say all that up front. Now, a couple of behaviors that you, you probably understand these, but just to make sure we're all on the same page. Okay, first, the most common behaviors that come from substance abuse, first, is impaired control. Okay, so this is the idea that you're on this substance longer than it was intended. This is particularly for pills, okay? This is a big thing for pills, but alcohol falls in this category as well. When you are dependent on it, when you are using it longer than it was originally intended, and that's when craving, cravings are triggered. Now, cravings are interesting because you could, let's say, in your high school days or maybe even in your college days, you struggled with alcohol. Cravings could even be when you go back to environments that you were in during that season and all of a sudden you have this craving that you weren't having just a few days ago. So our environment and actually the people we're around radically affect the cravings that we have depending on how we lived our life previously. So and I can tell you this is true. When I I grew up in my later years of high school, my early years of college, living a little bit of, okay, that's a lie, a very wild party life, okay? And when I go back home to my mom's house to that area, that town, I literally drive through the streets and I almost get sick to my stomach thinking about all the places I went, all the things that I did. That environment just causes me to feel different. Now, as the Lord has led me, I don't feel cravings. I just feel conviction, and I'm grateful for that. But the truth is, had I not moved through that season, I believe everywhere I went, it would bring these cravings, or maybe we'd articulate these memories that draw these desires to want to go back to the places that I was. we got to understand that. That's a really big deal. And so that's the first most common behavior. Second is your kind of social impairment, all right? So this is when you've been using substances, even if you were using them in a party-type environment, and now all of a sudden you're withdrawing from everyone, yet still depending on the substances. In fact, they're the very reason that you want to be alone so that you can continue to be involved in these in the multitude of ways it could unfold, okay? So these are some basics that we begin to understand. Now... 
Let's talk about alcohol. This is good. I love talking about this. I love it. Because here's the thing. What happens is many times leaders, pastors, parents, mentors, whatever, take such a broad or a weak stance on this, meaning they just say, no, do not do that. Do not do that. Do not do that. Never explaining, helping us understand the why and the how did we even get here? Why does this exist? Why does the Bible talk about alcohol, but yet you're telling me not to? And so I don't want to do that to you tonight. I want to talk to you as mature adults, even if you're not. That's okay. Congratulations, you made the cut tonight, all right? I want to talk to you as mature adults. So we got to start from the beginning. This is going to take a minute. And I hope you, if you want to take notes, this would be a great time to do it because I'm going to show you some things I think you probably have never heard before in regards to alcohol. So let's begin from the top. Here's the first thing. Talking about alcohol, here's the first thing I want you to hear. If you are not 21, it is illegal. Write that down. That's good. I know some of us didn't catch that. Or somehow we've ignored that for the last three years of our life. Okay, listen, if you are not 21, which is definitely some people in this room, if you are not 21 in the state of Texas, it is illegal to drink alcohol. Therefore, nothing else I'm about to say should trump any of that. The reality is we abide by the law. Well, why do you say we abide by the law? Well, let me show you. Romans 13.1. Let every person... Be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now you may go, well, I was talking about people, not laws. Well, who implemented the laws? The people. Who implemented the people? The government. Okay, these are our leaders. These are our authorities in our city and in our nation and fill in the blank. So the reality is, for us, the starting point is, if you're not 21 and you're involving yourself in alcohol in any capacity, listen, it doesn't matter what the world thinks. You are disobeying the Lord. Period. Now, some of you go, okay, I'm 21. Congratulations, you're an adult. Not really. I'm 21, so I can drink. Great. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer, just think. Do you still live in your parents' house? If you do, it doesn't matter if you're 21, 22, or 32, or older. Sorry, parents, if that's you. If your parents lay ground rules in their home that say that you can drink, guess what? In their home, you don't drink. Why? Because the Bible is clear. It calls us to honor our parents. And when you're living in their home, you honor their rules. If you don't like their rules, don't live in their home. If you really don't like it that much, it's time to move on. Let the little birdie fly free. Get out into the world, okay? And go fly free, and that's great. But listen, we honor our parents. In fact, I would say to you, well, we've had many people live with us over the years. If someone were to come into our home and live with us, we would lay some ground rules. We always do. The minute you disobey those ground rules, you gotta go, right? Those ground rules may have nothing to do with legal laws out in the world. It's my law because it's my house. In addition to that, remember that verse we covered not too long ago? 
When it said, as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. Listen, let me tell you something. You don't get in the way of me and my house serving the Lord. And your parents would say the same thing, depending where they are in their walk with the Lord. And so as, as kids, regardless of how old we are, we want to honor our parents. Okay, so those are just two little sub factors. Now let's get into the, let's get into the good stuff. This is the three A's of alcohol. The three A's of alcohol. Let's talk about the first one. Acidity. Didn't see that coming, did you? I'm telling you, we're going to get deep here. Acidity. Now, the strength of alcohol has changed from biblical times to current times. Did you know that? Did you know that the average glass of wine current time would be similar to a bottle of wine in biblical times? There's been a radical shift in the acidity of alcohol. Why? Well, we've had inventions. We've made further progress. We've become smarter, if you will. And so therefore, the acidity of alcohol in general is stronger. Therefore, it's not the same. When you read Jesus drank a glass of wine at the Lord's Supper, okay, it was like drinking, uh, I don't even know, like literally a communion cup maybe might be a good reference here, okay? It's not the same acidity. And so we got to keep in mind that what was happening then and what is happening now is a little bit different. In fact, in biblical times, did you know that drinking wine was the one, one reason they did that was actually for safety, Because back then, they didn't have water purification like we did. They didn't have safe systems. There could easily be a dead body right by that stream, given the biblical times. And that all the things from that dead body, I'm not going to go any further than that because it's gross, could have dripped into that water. I mean, you got all kind of contamination issues. And so what most people would do is they would drink wine because it would have had a chance to become safe to drink. Totally different perspective than what we get when we read, oh, they drank wine in the Bible. Let's continue. We also have, uh, we've also seen over the course of history that alcohol gets out of hand. How many of you remember the prohibition? Do you remember that? What grade did you learn that in? Yeah, hopefully you were 21. All right, I started teaching that. You know what happened? So what happened is saloons came on the scene. Have you ever heard this before? Saloons came on the scene. What they started doing is they realized they got smart because the older we get, the smarter we get, right? The longer humans are alive, the smarter we get. That's why sin gets sicker because we get smarter. What they realized is, hey, this is good. If we don't sell you a big portion, we sell you a small portion and we can make more money. So they opened up saloons and all of a sudden people started flocking in. You know what they did? They did three things, prostitution, gambling, and free lunch. That's how they got people in the door. And what they realize is this got out of hand. In fact, it got nasty. So what we've seen is when humans are in their own control, if they're not careful, it gets pretty nasty. So first thing we have to identify is acidity, looking at biblical context versus current context. Now let's talk about amount. This is the key. Let's talk about amount. So we had acidity, now amount. The Bible never says that you can't drink alcohol. Now, so everybody's writing now. I like that point. That's a good one. The Bible never says that you can't drink alcohol. Now, don't leave yet. Let me finish, okay? Don't run home to mama and say, well, guess what my pastor said? It's going to be awesome. Listen, it doesn't say that, but what does it say? Let me read it to you. Ephesians 5, 18. Do not get drunk with wine or beer or shots or whatever you might, for that is debauchery, but be filled with, with the spirit. What is it saying? Does it tell you that you can't drink? No. 
What it's saying is we don't get drunk. Why do you think that is? Glad you asked. Three things. Number one, God calls you and I to be available. Available. At any time, any day, God may call. And then think about what we've been saying in this series. God may call you and say, I need you to do this. And how will it look if you go, hey, sorry, Lord, I love you. I serve you all the time. But tonight I took a little night off and drink a little too much. Not available. Call me tomorrow. Doesn't work that way. No, no, no. God says, listen, I need my children always ready and always available because, man, life happens. Things are going, and I want to be able to use my children to to serve and to do ministry and to build my kingdom. And sometimes that happens at 2 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it happens at noon. Sometimes it happens all over the place. Sometimes it happens all day. And the Lord says, I need my children to be ready. Listen, I need you and me to always be ready when the Lord calls. So the number one reason, okay, the very first thing we're talking about and not being drunk is that we always want to be ready for the Lord to move. Do not allow yourself to become unavailable to the Lord. Will anything bad happen to you? No. But you will miss opportunities like you couldn't believe. Let's, let's just be real for a minute. Forgive me if this is inappropriate. What if Amber called you at 2 a.m.? And you were too drunk to meet her need. I'd be crushed. I'd be crushed. Fill in the blank. Brother, sister, friend, loved one, mom, dad. What if your, what if your girlfriend called you and said, listen, I'm lost. Someone is, ch- I'm scared to death. I don't know. Someone might be chasing me. I think someone's after me. I, I don't know what to do. And you go, I, oh my, I, I want to help, but I, I can't. I, I can't even drive right now. I can't get to you. I can't. That's not what we're not. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just saying the Lord calls you and I to always be ready to serve him. And what that looks like is going to be radically different in different situations. But at the end of the day, we always want to be ready and to be found faithful. And that's physically and mentally. You may not be called to physically go somewhere, but what if the Lord says, hey, I have someone about to call you and I need you to be able to walk with them through this season. I need you to help them. I need you to be able to speak and to think clearly so you can articulate the things that I've been pouring into your life when you're at underground and you're at church and you're reading your Bible. I need you to be able to articulate those things. So please stay ready. And he goes, sorry, can she call tomorrow? Because my mind's a little hazy right now. We want to be available. Second question is, why? Why are you drinking? Why are you drinking? Is it a a recreational time? Okay, great. Social time? Great, great. But what if it was, man, I'm stressed out. I don't know what to do. I'm so tired. I just need to, I just want to get drunk. It's straightforward. I'm I'm drinking because I want to get drunk. I don't want to feel the pain that I feel anymore. See, all of a sudden, it's a different conversation. Because you're not drinking in a social or relaxing environment. You're drinking to have medicine. You're drinking to meet a need. And what we talked about last week, 
The void that's left when we fill anything that should be of God with anything else. And so, hey, in a recreational, in a, a safe environment, great. But if you're doing it to heal or to endure, you are probably crossing a line that's leading you to danger. Third thing, conviction. Listen, there are some of us in the room, maybe even tonight, that hate this kind of talk because you just think alcohol should not be allowed, period. You, you just, you fall in that category, you hate it, you don't think anyone else should do it, and it makes you crazy. And so to hear someone talk about it and even a semi-positive light drives you crazy, and I get that. But the truth is, the Lord has, and in 1 Corinthians 10, you might write that down and double check, but 1 Corinthians 10, it talks about conviction. It talks about how, listen, my children are gonna have different convictions. Some of you are gonna be convicted to never touch alcohol in your life. And let me tell you something, you better honor that because that conviction is from the Lord, period. And I would never tell you differently. Some of us, we're gonna not be convicted to ever touch alcohol, but man, if we have more than a glass or two, we're convicted because we don't ever wanna cross that line, that's a good thing. You honor that conviction. Some of you grew up in a home where you watched alcoholics or you know alcoholism runs in your family and you go, I will never touch it. And I would say to you, praise the Lord, you stick to that because your conviction is of God. And that's between you and him. But it is a sin when we do not honor the conviction that the Lord has placed in our life. That is important to note because that weighs beyond just alcohol. That goes across the board in all seasons of life. Your conviction is a gift given to you by God through the Holy Spirit to navigate you in life. We've got to learn to trust and to follow that conviction. It's a God-given thing. <clears throat> and so for some of you, drinking is legal, but for you, it might as well be illegal because what the Lord's placed in your life, and that's a wonderful thing. You honor that, and don't you dare let anyone tell you differently. And don't let anyone look at you oddly because God has given you something special. On the other hand, for those of you that don't feel the conviction, you make sure that you don't judge those people or try to look at them like they're trying to be holier than thou. They are honoring the conviction the Lord has given and shame on you if you're gonna get in the way of that. You see how this works? So we all have this little different story here as we navigate this very important topic. Now, here's the third A, accountability. So we have acidity, all right? We have amount and now we have accountability. We have to remember that we don't know the story of the person sitting next to us. You could very well be sitting next to someone right now, don't look left or right, that'd be weird, that has been struggling with alcohol their entire life. And so, we, hey, you head out to dinner after underground, right? No harm done. You're going out to eat, whatever's open. I think y'all found the one place in the world that's actually open after this. And you go sit down and you're eating and you go, hey, man, I'm going to grab a beer. All right. Talk about that in a minute, but okay, great. Got a beer. No idea who's sitting next to you, though. Sure, you met them, you know their name, but they probably didn't start off and say, hey, my name's Chad, I'm an alcoholic. It probably didn't start that way unless it was AA, okay? The reality is they don't share all of that in your first setting. And so you're sitting at dinner, you grab your beer, and next thing you know, what you don't realize is that person sitting next to you has been fighting this their entire life. But man, they saw their church buddy grab a beer, and they thought, man, if he's doing it, maybe it's not bad. Maybe I've been looking at this whole thing wrong. And then they go, hey, hey, I'm going to order one too. And the next thing you know, now they've spiraled right back into an old lifestyle. Can I tell you something? That's happened to us numerous times in this church. 
where classes have gone out just trying to have a good time and not paying attention to the people around them. And we've literally watched people's lives spiral out of control because they felt a safety in this group from church that was deceiving. This is why we don't drink when we do events within the church ever. Whether it's an event at someone's home or event here, if it is connected to this church, we don't drink, period, ever. And that's why, because we don't know who's there and Christ has called us to be above it to live differently, we shouldn't need it, okay? Look, if you can't have fun without it, there's a problem there, and I wanna encourage you in all seriousness that you might seek help. We should be able to go out and have fun drinking water, right? That's what we're gonna do that. We're gonna have a water night. We're gonna all drink water, and it's gonna be the best night you've ever had in your life because our fun doesn't need to come from some form of a substance. Our fun comes from the spirit of God that lives inside of us. That's our freedom. Man, it's amazing. Okay, let's keep going. Now, with accountability, you've got struggling people and you have confused people. I just wanna mention this quickly. So the struggling we just talked about, those are the people that are struggling with alcohol and you don't know. The confused people are the ones that look at the church folks and they can't understand it. Right? So a new person coming into our ministry, they, they, they're probably not hearing this unless they're here tonight. They've not heard this kind of breakdown of how we navigate this and why we navigate certain things the way that we do. And so when they come in, they're just confused. I thought the Bible hated alcohol. Well, you actually probably never studied it, so you didn't realize that's actually not the case. But there's some strict boundaries. So there's the confused people, so we always want to be careful. So is alcohol bad? No. Good try. No. It's not, but God has given very, very clear boundaries. Now, let's talk about marijuana, cannabis, whatever you want to call it, ganja, whatever your good word is these days. If you don't know what that is, I'm very glad. (laughs) Number one, guess what? It's illegal. Woo! Glad we get that one out of the way. In case we were wondering... Not sure. Listen, in the state of Texas, it is illegal. Therefore, why do we honor our authorities? I'll remind you, Romans 13, 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. So here in Texas, it is illegal, so no question about it. Listen, listen to me right now. If you are in this room and you smoke weed, listen, you are disobeying God, period. Don't be mad at me. I'm just letting you know the truth. You are disobeying God period, in Texas, period. Now, then the question comes, well, things are a-changing. It happened in Colorado. I don't know where else. I don't keep up with this, but I'm sure it's coming here next. I'm sure, I'm, listen, I know we are not far from marijuana being legalized, and you go, man, what about then? In fact, we've had people, <laughs> I know people that have literally moved to Colorado so they could have the freedom. To, I, I, it's, it sounds crazy, but it is true. It's actually, it's, a, oh, yeah, it's another story for another day. We'll talk about it in private. Okay, we won't. I was going to say that actually the truth is, the reason is because, okay, I sat them down and explained to them what I'm telling you right now. And they, they understood that and they wanted to honor the scripture. So they moved to the place where it was legal. Now, there's some deeper things to that, why that wasn't a good thing, but the reality is, at the heart of it, it was a desire to want to try to at least abide by what was there. Okay, I can, listen, I can appreciate that. It's not perfect, I'm gonna be really clear. It's not perfect, but I can appreciate that. 
Okay? Now that's, that, that is the kind of response we want to the word of God, first of all. So let's just say it becomes illegal tomorrow. Okay? I don't know if that's going to happen. Okay? Let's say. Just because it's legal doesn't mean that it's right. Okay? Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's right. And you go, oh, there we go. Just spitting off a bunch of random stuff. You can't do this and you can't do this. And this Bible is great. Listen to me. I could be a hateful, adulterous, maybe at times abusive verbally. There's a lot of things that I can do that are actually legal. Okay? If I were to stand up to you tonight and tell you that, listen, I, I cheat on my wife all the time, but it's not illegal, so what's the problem? Would, it, would any of you look at me and be like, oh, what a leader. Wow, way to follow the system, bro. No. I mean, the reality is, is just because something's legal doesn't necessarily mean that it's right or that it's good for us. Okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm lightening you up a little bit, but I want you to understand, I'm not trying to really be funny with this topic because this is a serious topic, but I want you to loosen up. I want you to hear what I'm saying, okay? Because there's a lot of things that we can do that are legal. By the way, uh, another one that's plaguing our culture, and we may or may not get into this in a few weeks, uh, pornography. Like, it's not illegal. But again, if I were to get up here and say, guys, you know, love y'all, love the Lord, man, teaching the Bible, hope you like it, but I just want you to know, I look at pornography every single night. But other than that, it's good, because why? It's not, it's not illegal, so we're good, don't worry about it, follow me, trust me, we can do this, so let me lead the way as your pastor. Right? It doesn't work. And so the reality is, we're not trying to make light of it, but the truth is, there are a lot of things that are legal, but that doesn't necessarily right, or more importantly, good for you and I. And that leads to the second thing. Listen, we don't, we don't want to be running around. Live, I hope you don't want to live lives that you go, well, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I do this? Can I do that? Oh, this is my girlfriend. We've been dating for a little while. Can we start going here? Can we start doing this? Can we move here? Can I touch this? Can I see this? Can I kiss? We don't want to live that way. It's not about the what. The question for us is the why. Why do you want to do those things? Why do you want to smoke? Of what value are you gaining when you do that? Okay, is this drawing you closer to the Lord? Is this helping you be more accessible to him, more available, more ready? Okay, have you ever seen anyone smoke weed and be like, I'm ready to go? No, you don't, all right? It's the opposite. Wake me up in a couple hours, I'll let you know. And by the way, just in case you're like, oh, you're just an idiot up there that's never done it. Listen, I, I hate to tell this to you, but... I spent a few years of my life heavily smoking marijuana. And to just let you see the picture of this, when I was in high school, my senior year, um, I dated the homecoming queen for three years. And she was, you know, had goody, did all the right things. And in my later years, after I hurt my knee, I started drifting into this crazy wild lifestyle. And one day, this girl in our, in our school, came, not our church, our school, came up to her and said, why in the world did you ever date that guy? He is literally a pothead, okay? That, that was my, that was how I lived the end of my high school days and into college. I just wanted you to understand. I'm not making a lot of something I don't understand. I absolutely very clearly understand how this works, okay? And I understand all of the repercussions and the feelings that come with this, okay? So when I say this to you, what I'm saying is, listen, you're not more available to the Lord when you're involved in that. You're just not. In fact, you're more cloudy and more hazy than ever. And the more you do, the more cloudy you are. So the Lord calls, you're not ready. 
right? or you're moving really slow. You're not thinking, right? It's not the same you. And so the reality is, listen, we, we could talk about this. Uh, oh, here's the other thing. Sarah and I were just filming a wedding in Vail, Colorado. Colorado. Oh, yeah. You know where this is going. Let me tell you what. Went into Target. Actually, all over Colorado I saw this. But now, not that every single person that smokes weed looks this way, but I'm telling you what, I, I was wondering what it was going to be like when I got there. Like, was I going to smell it everywhere I went? Like, I, Sarah never even smelled it, so she wouldn't even know. But I was just like, this is going to be fun. I'm going to see if this. I didn't, I didn't smell or see anyone. And we were out all over the place. We were at a wedding. I mean, we were everywhere you could imagine. Never saw it. But you know what I did see? A bunch of people that looked like it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just being honest. I mean, I'd walk in and I'd be like, dang, fool. This is crazy. And it was just person after person. And you know what happens? It's not the first time. It's overtime. But the, the, not just the dress, but I'm talking the way your face looks, the way the skin looks. I mean, it, it, was, it was honestly really, really sad. And I'm standing in Target, and I was literally standing next to two people. And I'm going to get to a point here. I was next to two people. One that I could, I could smell it on them, but I could also tell just by looking at them that that was, that was something that they were heavily involved in. And to my left was this other guy. He wasn't dressed in business attire and thing, but he was just a nice dressed man. And he was helping this old lady put her things on the table. And this other guy was just checking out. And I was looking at this and I was going, listen, when I think about the impact that's happening in my life right now, I am more impacted by the person that's trying to do the right thing than I am by the person that's not. Okay, you see what I'm saying here? The idea is this, if we're gonna be available we have to be in a place where we can actually make an impact. The things that you do, even the little things, make such a dramatic impact on the lives of the people around you. We have to understand that. And it's not just the big things. We got a lot of people that stand up and say, well, I don't ever cheat on my wife, so I'm good, all right? Or I'm not an alcoholic, so I'm good. And the reality is you've missed the whole point. You've missed the big picture. It's not about what can we do? How can we get away with this? Is this okay? Do we cross this line? The reality is I want to serve the Lord. I want to bring him glory. I want to be available to him. I want to be someone that while I, when I leave this earth, people say, man, that guy or that girl had an impact on my life. And I'm just telling you, all of these things that we're talking about, don't lead us to that place. They don't. Some are legal. Some can be done in control. And all that's great. And I'm not telling you no to everything. I'm just saying you got to ask the deeper question of why. Why do you want to do it? Why do you need that beer? Why do you need that shot? Why do you need that weed? Why do you need that pill? Is that the only way you can have fun? Is that the only way you can feel better? Then there's probably a problem. And so for you, look, man, we love you. I want to encourage you, and I, and I hope that I've laid some groundwork for you to navigate in your own life and to make your own decision. But at the end of the day, what I want you to ask is not what can I do or get away with, but why? And ask yourself, am I available? Am I ready all the time, willing to serve the Lord? By the way, Let's take just a side trail from substance for just a minute. It's deeper than that. Okay, listen, if you are not taking care of yourself at night and you're not sleeping and you walk around like a zombie, you can do all the right things, but you're still ineffective because you're barely there. 
Okay? If you're not taking care of yourself physically and what you eat and how you take care of your body, listen, you may be all right now because you're young and your body's rocking and all that good stuff, but trust me, it doesn't catch up with you. And if you die 20 years early because you didn't take care of yourself, again, we've missed the point. And so what I want you to hear is it's deeper than all these things. It just happens to just be where we landed tonight. And listen, we love you and God loves you. And some of you, I know, in this room, you're like, man, we're struggling with this. We're not sure how to navigate this. I'm not sure if I even agree with you yet. All I'm saying is allow the Lord to do some work in your life. Allow the Lord to use some of these perspectives and some of these thoughts to help you see things differently, to look at maybe a bigger picture, and then to realize, listen, this is dangerous. So when I was growing up in that little season, uh, my sister... I was the brother that showed my brother and sister what not to do. Maybe that's some of y'all. It's life. And uh, my sister came into my mom's room one night, probably in the middle of all that lifestyle. And, uh, and she, she came into my mom's room and she said, Mom, when is Chad going to jail? And my mom said, what do you mean? She thought, what did he do? Like something just happened and somehow this little 10-year-old knows about it. I said, why? He's always in trouble, you say, and so I assume he's going to go to jail soon. When is he going to jail? And, of course, my mom didn't tell me that then because it probably wouldn't matter because I was just stupid in that season. But later on, she told me that. i got to tell you something. Man, that crushed me. I wish that I had been a better big brother. I really do. I'm glad that I got to show them what not to do so I was still helpful in its own weird way. But I really wish that I had been more available I wish I'd have been more present. I wish I'd been there to walk with my sister while my parents were divorced and she was trying to navigate what it's like for, for dad to not be there and then dad to get remarried and for mom to possibly be replaced and all these things. And I wasn't there for any of that because I was out doing my own thing. Uh, I wish I'd been a better brother to my brother. I wish I had known him more. I wish I had a better uh, putting my stuff aside for even just a little bit so that I could be more present in his life. I wish those things. And it wasn't because I just chose not to. It was because I was sucked up in all of this stuff, every single thing we've talked about. And so I'm just, I'm just asking you, begging you, praying for you and with you that you would see a bigger picture. And if you're not struggling with this, listen, that's great, okay? And I would say to you, Remember some of this stuff because, man, you can help give some people some clarity in navigating this very confusing culture that we live in. And for those of you that are are like me and have come out of this lifestyle, can I just say, would you continue to thank the Lord for that and keep focused because the enemy would love nothing more than to draw us right back into the old ways. And he's good at it. We'll have to be on guard.